It was 10 years ago that Grape Encounters Radio was born inside a crumbling old barn far off the beaten path in California's Central Coast wine country. Host David Wilson and his team had to keep it underground. After all, they were going to present wine in a very different, a very unpretentious way. The wine snobs were not going to like this one bit. There would be protests, tar and feathers, Supreme Court challenges, and more. The Grape Encounters team was going to challenge the old ways and fight to return wine to the masses without fear of guilt for not knowing how to pronounce terroir or sommelier or gewürztraminer or viognier. This week, Grape Encounters marches forward for wine enthusiasts from every walk of life. Over the past 10 years, we've learned one very valuable lesson. People dig what we've been sharing. Heck, even the Supreme Court justices are having more fun with their wine. Except one or two who like beer. Today, we're off and running with a very different kind of wine show that is as much about you as it is about what you have in your glass. We're here to make wine more fun. So buckle up for one heck of a ride as we uncork the next decade of Grape Encounters. Grape Encounters Radio, and you know what? I could not wait for this week's edition of our show. Because if you have been listening for the past couple of weeks, you have heard the most scintillating voice, the sexiest voice on Grape Encounters. We've, we've been doing the show for 10 years. And um, we've had an amazing voice on there. But, you know, things change as time goes on. There's a guy that I have been wanting to be a part of Grape Encounters for at least the last five years. Because his voice is just amazing. But what makes him very special is that he's not just a legendary radio guy. He also is a guy who makes his own wine, who lives in wine country, who is a dear friend of mine, who is... He is um, a thespian. He is a film critic and film lover. Uh, he, he is so involved in all of the arts. And that's why I have just been begging him, literally begging Brent Keast to come on board and be a part of the Grape Encounters family. And you finally caved, Brent. <laughs> well, thank you. That's a, what, a, what an introduction. I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on me, though. I have to uh, really perform today then, right? That was Brent at the opening, man. Wasn't yeah. that beautiful? God, yeah. you are so good. Oh, well, Seriously. What a sweet thing to no, say. No, you are so good. And I just, everything that I hear that you do, and I was driving down the road the other day, and I heard you on a commercial. And it was like, I, you know, it's like I had to pull over just to try to dry my eyes. <laughs> and, it was for, and it was for adult diapers. Which was a really the, yeah. you know, the amazing thing. You don't really think that you're going to get all teary-eyed about a, adult diapers, but <laughs> but no, it's great. You've been doing well, this a long. You've been doing it a long time. Yeah, I, I started when I well, actually, when I was a, a, a kid, maybe eight or nine. We had one of those console record players, and um, I'd listen to a local radio station. Then I'd try to match what uh, you know what the guy sounded like and spin records, and so I would do that. And then when I was um, I don't know about. 15, I went over to the uh, Fresno Veterans Hospital where they had a, uh, a radio station for the, uh, 
for the patients there. Really? And it was a country station. And we did uh, announcements for the, the hospital, but we also did time and temp. And we spun the spun the platters and did the radio thing. And uh, I learned all the radio techniques, which, of course, now are kind of gone. Yeah, it's all changed, hasn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. But because uh, I, I always Is wanted it, to do, be in Do radio. you think it's better or worse? Because you and I both um, – grew up in the business in an era where we literally took monofilament tape and had to cut it and glue it and splice it together. And now to, you know, to fix an error, which by the way, there will be no editing on this show. No editing this is going to be 100% the way it is. Yeah. But boy, it was hard in those days, right? It was. You had a it, scotch tape made a, a block, a little cutting block, and then you had a, a razor blade. And if the razor blade had become magnetic, it would put a little pop on the um, on the edit. So you had to degauss. They called it degaussing the uh, razor blade, so that when you edited it, it wouldn't put a pop. And then a friend of mine, actually at one of the uh, other stations, believed that a pyramid would keep that razor blade from actually getting magnetized. Again. So he put the blade so under put a the blade p- under a pyramid. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> okay, I don't believe that. Okay, uh, you moved to wine country. How long ago? Uh, we moved here in 2010, December 24th, 2010. Yeah, so we're we're almost ten years here now. From Southern California, we used to go up to Napa. Then we went to Santa Barbara, and the Santa Barbara wineries are fantastic. And then we found out about San Inez, and we went to those wineries. And then we came up to Paso Robles, and uh, it was we were in Nirvana. Really? Yeah, and we've been. So why um, does a Hollywood guy move to wine country? The wine people. So ask you're me, so you're a wino, truly a wino. Yeah, yeah. Do you drink wine every day? Yes. You yeah. do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, what, what I really love about having you on the show, and I hope you don't quit, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, this is the first time I think that anybody that has worked with the show that I've actually, you know, put them out there, you know, they're usually just the mystery voices and people behind the show. But I, I just, I'm so in love with you in a brotherly sort of way, because I met you actually, because I lived on a vineyard where you would come and you would volunteer and help pick grapes, but you had... A, and prune. Yes, but you had an ulterior motive, which was that you also were taking some of those grapes and making your own wines. Oh, actually, I purchased those grapes. Well, I, I didn't say you didn't pay for yeah, them. I'm yeah. just saying that you were you were out there getting grapes and you were making wine. Yes, and the first wine that I made, I was only 16, though. No, but, well, not, but from, it, but but not from that vineyard. But no, it was no. Un, that wine was undrinkable, so it wasn't illegal because nobody could drink that wine. So one of the things <laughs> that I've noticed when I see you talking to people is you don't miss the opportunity to gloat about what? I don't really gloat. I'm a very modest person. No, but you've you been gloating me, lately about the fact that you made a wine. I did. I, I purchased did very well. cab, and um, I made a barrel, and um, the barrel I bottled, and then I said, what the heck, and I entered it into the Mid-State Fair, and I won a gold medal. Wow. And that was pretty cool because, uh, you know, here's this hayseed from Fresno comes to wine country and makes a gold medal winning wine. Did you think you had a chance at that? 
No, no. I, I thought maybe I'd get an honorable mention and, you know, and that's it. I'd be happy. Is it hard when you are a wine enthusiast and and I know you, you know wine quite well, okay? But is it hard when you're a wine enthusiast to be objective about the wine that you make? Are you sitting there tasting it, you know, week after week, you, you dip the little thief into the barrel and you taste a little bit of the wine, you go, wow, hot damn, this is really good? Or... You know, or are you super hypercritical of what you're making? That's a great question. Um, I thought so. You know, <laughs> wine makes itself, truly. And uh, all you do is you just got to crush those grapes and let the yeast get to work That's on it. such BS. No, no, no. Wine it, makes itself. It really does. No, it, really it does, does not. And, uh, and winemakers, are, they, they toil over this. Well, some they, do. they lose sleep over this. You're saying yeah. you've got self-making wine? Well, I don't have to make a, any kind of continuity of wine. All I have to do is make a wine, and when I open the bottle, it's like Christmas morning. There's this wine that, that's really, really good, really? but it doesn't have to be like last year's wine, and it doesn't have to be like next year's wine. It just – I let the wine make itself. Yeah. How far is this going to go for you? Well, I just made some Zen, and I'm going to be entering that into the fair, and we'll find out if I do. You think it'll get at least two hits? And you think there will eventually be the Brent Keast Winery? I don't think so. It's a lot of work. And by the way, and a lot of money too. I I wanted to let you know we're not going to call you Brent Keast. We're not. Yes, even though that is a name that is renowned throughout the radio industry. We are going to call you officially Brentanamo. Brentanamo. Brentanamo! El Magnifico. All right, uh, All right. Brent, we're going to talk about some very interesting stuff in a second. Okay. Uh, I want to continue down the road about talking about wine, uh, well, actually, wine pairings, pairing wine and food, because I'm on my high horse about this one. And um, we've had some very interesting um, guests on talking about this, and it's really kind of kept me up at night. So will you stick with me? Absolutely. Stick with me. My guest is our brand spanking new announcer, and I have a feeling he's he's kind of you know, possibly young and handsome. This oh. guy is, uh, Brent is a man's man. He is a very <laughs> good looking guy. And uh, we're going to have him on from here on out. So we'll be back with more Grape Encounters. And uh, our announcer, official new announcer, Brent Keast. And uh, we'll be talking more about um, the idea of wine pairing with food. And I'm going to open your eyes today, gang. I'm going to probably get tar and feathered, but uh, we'll see. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters after this. You're listening to Grape Encounters Radio with your host, David Wilson. We've got 500 episodes under our belt, and we've barely scratched the surface, which is why you'll never find wine in the short subject section of your library. Ten years ago, I created Grape Encounters Radio while living in breathtaking Lake Arrowhead. Perched about an hour above the Southern California metropolis in the majestic San Bernardino National Forest. Lake Arrowhead is a place where wine lifestyle flourishes, imaginations run wild, and people come from around the world to discover a more peaceful and re-energizing way of life. Today, I'm delighted to introduce you to Lynn B. Wilson, a bona fide leader in resort real estate sales. From charming alpine cottages to stunning estates on the shores of shimmering Lake Arrowhead, Lynn B. Wilson and Associates have been changing lives for decades. If you truly want to live on top of the world, Lynn B. Wilson and Associates can show you how. 
They'll even host you in luxury accommodations while you explore the limitless possibilities. Log on to lynnbwilson.com. That's lynnbwilson.com. Live the life you imagine. It seems like a day doesn't go by that someone doesn't tell me how lucky I am to be able to taste the multitude of wines that I get to try as part of my job. And while that certainly is true, what is also true is that a great number of wines that I do taste just don't cut it. That's why it gives me so much pleasure to tell you about the wines from Peak Ranch, made in the San Ynez Valley on the central coast of California. As exciting as these wines are, I'm especially proud of the fact that they're produced by my oldest friend of all time, John Wagner, along with his charming wife, Jill. John was always the smartest kid in school, and I was always just a tad bit jealous of his determination to be the best. So when I found out that he was the producer of these utterly fantastic wines, I wasn't the least bit surprised. From their remarkably elegant Pinots to their perfectly balanced Chardonnay and luscious Syrahs, it's no surprise that the wines produced at Peak Ranch are simply as good as it gets, and they have the scores to prove it. Log on to peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com. You can buy their wines online, which means it'll be the best time you ever spend on the Internet. Go to peakranch.com. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio, broadcasting from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in idyllic Atascadero, California. Did you know that our studio is built in one of America's top-rated wine bars? You know what that means, don't you? Yep. When we uncork a new episode, you can uncork something very special indeed. Back with Grape Encounters Radio. You know what? I've been doing this 10 years. I've had a lot of people involved in this show over that period of time. And you know what is kind of disappointing is a number of those people that I've worked with over the years, those great professionals, were not great winos. And, uh, you know, you kind of want to just, uh, you know, sit with the crew, at least after the show, have a great bottle of wine but some of them guys and gals are beer drinkers or spirit drinkers or maybe don't drink anything at all my guest today is also somebody who has joined the team so glad to have him brent keist is really a a guy who has been very renowned in the radio business for a really super long time um big time into film filmmaking um, stage, all kinds of really cool stuff. But most importantly, he is also a winemaker, an amateur winemaker, but an amateur winemaker that just won a gold medal for uh, one of his wines and lives in wine country. And we met by happenstance. And I have for five years been pleading, begging him to please you know, be the announcer voice for Grape Encounters. So as we came into the segment, that was uh, that was uh, Brent there, and uh, he's sitting here with me. I can only say it's a good thing we're on the radio because I am blushing, and the audience. What you're see blushing? That. Yes, yes, oh, truly. you're such a shy guy. You're a nice guy. <laughs> hey, you, you know what's really cool? Um, I wanted to share with people something that you do. I I don't know if I can even talk about this on the radio, but you have your own theater. I do. It's you a- built a theater so that you could sort of reunite people with 
Old classic films mostly. Classic films, and of course I don't charge for it. I just invite people and they show up. And it's one heck of a theater too. I mean it's got yeah. theater seats. 24 and, theater seats. And it's got a really nice screen. And I can tell people that I can seat a 1,000 people but only 24 at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been there a couple of times. I, it's always at a time when I'm working, but I wish I could, I could spend more time there because that's really super cool. Well, we do live theater there too. I know. Yeah. I know. We're really super cool stuff. All right. I want to jump into a, a topic that has really been very much on my mind for the past several weeks. And it, um, it, it has to do with the fact that I had a guy on and he's really, really super well known in the wine industry. Um, he was the one of the two first masters of wine in America. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. Super big deal. And it's uh, Tim Haney. And Tim really has broken away from the pack. And when I say the pack, the pack of sommeliers. Because he really has, on his own, come to the con- conclusion that so much of the stuff that is pushed down our throat about wine pairing, pairing food and wine, is nothing but BS. And he didn't even call it BS. He spelled it right out. And he there were there were a number of stories written about him very recently because he's become very, very vocal about this. And, you know, in my heart, I really sympathize with Tim in that I, you know, there are so many times where I'll go to a restaurant and I, you know, I'm there for the meal, but darn it, I'm going to order whatever wine I feel like. And I and I feel like the human public has been seriously led down the wrong road where pairing food and wine is concerned. I think you're right. I wouldn't argue with you about that. However, you're going to argue with me about something, though. I, I can would, feel yeah. it because you've got, you got your finger up in the air like my right. mother used to do. That's like, right. You're pointing at I'm me. I'm going to tell you I'm something. I'm covering my eyes, <laughs> Brent. Right. No, I'm not going to listen to you. No, go ahead. Go don't, ahead. Don't uh, chew with your mouth full or whatever. No, um, Young man? Usually a sommelier works at a restaurant. Right. And what is his job at a restaurant? To sell wine. Right. And what do they what do they sell at a restaurant also? Food. So they tend to try to sell you the most expensive bottle of wine they have. And also do you notice that the uh the servers are always coming around dumping more wine in your glass trying to uh to uh empty uh, that see, bottle. See, I don't I don't think they try to sell you the most expensive bottle of wine. I think they've got a few wines on the list that are ringers that will show you so there's the lower end and then there's the upper end and there might be a two thousand dollar bottle of wine there so if you don't buy that one uh, at least you'll be content with the five hundred dollar bottle or the two hundred dollar bottle of wine right or me with the twenty dollar bottle of wine. yeah oh, no. you know what and, and it's not and, that bad and who who cares yeah. right yeah yeah but uh i certainly see their job but also i think that you can you can um pretty much make a good case for pairing certain foods with wine because wine is a food and why would you why would you drink wine if you if you didn't have food that went along with it and if the food didn't work with the wine you should probably know but there there really aren't a whole bunch of terribly uh, strict rules about it. it. Used to be red wine with red but meat are, and white but wine with white meat. But there are, but there are, Brent. There I know. Are, I know. There are strict rules, and you know this is an interesting thing. I, w- I was doing this all week. I was I was looking up every conceivable article I could find on wine pairing, 
And you know what was amazing to me is how little they agreed, how many differences there were between all of these experts telling us you got to pair this with this and whatever. You know, first of all, well, let me throw a question at you, okay? okay. Do you go out to a restaurant because you're there for the food or because of the wine? Actually, you know, when you live in wine country... Don't I, do this to me. I, don't you know? Don't yeah. be political. No, I'm not. Don't being political. be politically correct. I know. Why do you go to a restaurant? Well, for the food. Yes, yes. And the wine is part of the food. And you hope that the okay, okay. There you hit it. You hit it square between the eyes. Okay. We treat wine, at least the the wine experts do, as a condiment. Like it's the salt and pepper. Like it's you gotta you use the wine to season your meal to complete your meal, and I'm gonna tell you the wine is one of the courses. It's one of the courses. Yes, you're right. It is as important as the mashed potatoes, as important as you know the fancy Brussels sprouts. It's as important as the beautiful prime rib or whatever you're eating. It's a course. It's not a condiment. Yes. And we treat it like a condiment. And it's like, oh, well, you know, the wine's there to fine-tune your food. B.S. You know what? The food better be dang good. Because, True. you know. And the uh, service has uh, to be good. But if also I have to rely on the wine to make my food taste better, then get another chef in there. <laughs> yeah. Because this guy or gal is not doing their job. Yeah. You know, I know what are, you're saying. Seriously, I got to have a, a special wine to fine tune their food because it isn't quite right. Well, we always bring our own wine and we pay the cork. Yeah, me too. BS Aloni. That's yeah. what I say. Yeah. All right, Brentonimo, we're going to come back on this one because okay. we've got lots more to talk about. That's right. My guest is also my brand spanking new announcer as we go into the second decade of Grape Encounters. It's Brent Keast. What a pro. What a pro. And a wine guy, too. So uh, we're going to continue with Brent in just a second. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. We've got to take a breather for a minute or two. Don't go away. Remember, if we don't let the wine breathe, it's impossible for the show to be done in good taste. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Caria into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, walnuts and wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. The Central Coast of California is world-renowned for exceptional wines, but it's also one of the most vibrant and alluring travel destinations in America because the wide range of things to see and do here is absolutely astonishing. 
From stunning beaches to breathtaking hiking trails to world-class dining, artisan craftswork, and so much more, California's Central Coast is addictive. For those visiting this magical region, there's no better place to call home base than the city of Atascadero. Atascadero is perfectly centered in the middle of everything you'll want to see and do while you're here. A true slice of Americana. The locals here are eager to welcome you, and the accommodations are plentiful, comfortable, and affordable. Atascadero is a 365 days a year destination with mild winter weather and mostly sunny days, even when the rest of the country is bundled up. For more information about the warm and welcoming town of Atascadero, log on to visitatascadero.com. Discover the California Central Coast at visitatascadero.com. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio. After 10 years and 500 episodes, David has become very comfortable with breaking the rules, as you'll see momentarily, which is all well and good as long as he doesn't break our expensive glasses. Back with Grape Encounters Radio. Tell you what, every day of my life, I open up my email and I get all these invitations. You know what they're invitations for? They're invitations for wine pairing events. The minute I say, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to block the word pairing on my email because I am so sick to death, disgusted. It makes me miserable to see wine pairings. I love to see you steamed. That is, <laughs> that voice is the, the, oh my gosh, the angelic voice of Brent Keast. <laughs> Angels come with deep, sexy voices, don't they? No, that's that's a that's a nice thing to say. Well, you know, yeah, you know, you get them too, right? You you live here in wine country with me, and yeah, how many different wine pairings do you get invitations to? Probably one about every two months. What? Yeah, I get them one every two days. Well, that's because you're famous, though. Well, I, you're famous. Well, I'm, I'm... see, but you're famous for your voice. Yes. So I'm, I'm famous for wine. Yeah. But no, I get them all the time. I get them constantly. And it's like, oh, you know what? It's You know what's really amazing about it, too? And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My wine friends out there listening, you know, we're, we're heard all over wine countries around America. Up in Napa right now, I know a lot of the big-time winemakers listen to us. Michael Madavi, Mike Grigich. Sorry, guys. I, I'm, I'm going to apologize, but I think you sympathize. And I'm apologizing because I just think more is made out of pairing than needs to be made. You know, I could – I'll tell you a great story, Brent. You want to hear it? Okay, okay. I'm ready. The Chapelet family, the famous Chapelet family, one of the original Napa families, okay? Uh, I, I got to know Alexa Chapelet when she was a student at Pepperdine and I was a teacher there. And many years later, we kind of reunited and – I have recently, in recent years, got to know the family, a very famous label in Napa. And so they invited me up to stay with them for a couple of days. It was great. They have these you know, little cottages at the Chapelet Vineyard and had a great time. And one night, they in, invited me down to the family home for dinner. And they put out this beautiful feed. It was just great food, wonderful but I noticed something that was kind of a little weird. There were no wine glasses on the table. What? Yeah, no wine glasses. That's and heresy. So I kind of leaned over to Alexa, who I've known for, gosh, a lot of years. I go, Alexa, 
There's no wine glasses. There's no wine glasses. <laughs> she looks at And me. you had to whisper that. She, right? yeah, yeah, but but she didn't whisper back. She looked back at me and she goes, David, she goes, just because we make wine doesn't mean we drink wine every night. It was a reminder that, you know what, it, it is, it, it, yes, we can have this great love for wine, but really and truly, if you try to sustain your life on wine alone, you're not going to live for a very long time. You know, food is really what it's all about. So let's treat wine more like a food. Well, you're a foodie too. Well, you know? I am a foodie, Absolutely. and I think wine should be, a, you know, a course. And I think if you if you really and truly Yes. You know what? Be aware of how fats and acids and salts and all the tannins and all of these things work. Okay. And that's not what we do on this show, but gosh, there's a lot of education out there. And I do encourage you to understand those relationships and how one complements or doesn't complement the other one. Yeah, that, but, no, that's very true. That's, but, I, I agree 100%, but I, I will argue with you, but go ahead and finish your... Uh... Well, I'm just going to say this, that, you know, how many times have I read stuff about pizza parlors that are upset because their patrons want ranch dressing to dip the pizza in, right? And I remember one time, I, many years ago, I went back and I had some friends in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, and I went back there, and that was before the days when they had good Mexican food on the East Coast. And my brother came with me and some other friends, and we were from California, so we knew Mexican food. We had to actually make our own tortillas because you couldn't at that time even get them, right? Yeah, those were so, under yeah, the counter So we the make these items. fantastic items, you know, enchiladas and stuff. And then, Brent, if you could even believe this, my ex-girlfriend's sister, Kathy – wanders over to the cabinet and what does she pull out yeah, not Cholula okay she pulls out ketchup oh no and I, I and I and I'm seeing her walking across the kitchen with this bottle of Heinz ketchup and it's like don 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 and it's like I go no no you're not going to do that and she didn't even she did not even taste the enchiladas she just poured the ketchup all over him. Probably because it was red. That was her instinct. And, she, you know, the funny thing is she thought it was delicious. Now, I never actually tried enchiladas that night with ketchup on them. Maybe they were good. I have no idea. I remember the first time I was horrified when somebody suggested putting pineapple on a pizza. Or, you know, and I love pineapple on a pizza you know, now. You know, you know what just galls me is when you go out to breakfast, you know, Saturday breakfast, and then somebody pours um, pancake syrup all over their pancakes, but then pours it on their sausage. Ooh, yeah. That's, ick. That's pretty awful. Ick. Yeah. Terrible ick. Yeah, you need the uh, restaurant police to come after those people. But there's a point in all this, isn't there? And the point is, is that it's you eat what you like. And, you know, when somebody tells you, well, you know, you've got a pair of this with that and this with that. It's, you know, it really does come down to what you like. Now, one of the... One I, of, do wanna, I do want to... I do want to... All right, jump in. Okay. All right, go so ahead. Yeah. I, I work at a winery, and I'm a humble um, host at the bar. And why and do you do that being a, a celebrity like you are, and what are you doing that for? Oh, it's great. It's like doing King Lear every day. It's what? fantastic. Can you give me a little King well, Lear in the, the bar? You've got this audience here, and you just put on your, your show for them, and it's amazing. And if you love people, it's, it's terrific as well. But we are one of the few wineries that actually pairs food items with absolutely each um, each wine that we're selling. And we're there to sell wine. We're not there to enjoy wine. We're there to sell wine. Now, 
what the food does in this context, as opposed to a restaurant, is we are calibrating a person's taste to a wine with the food pairing. So when you're talking about food pairing, uh, it's totally different when you're behind a wine pairing bar. You want to calibrate the the uh, experience. I don't for really the wine. know what that means. Well, what does that okay. mean? It, it gives you a context to drink to have the wine, as opposed to no food, which is most wineries just pour wine for you. This this one actually has the food uh, with each one in it. We have a full time chef who de- develops the food. We put the wine in front of him, and he creates the food. And you, by the, the way, are married to a, a chef. Yeah. chef. Yeah. Who cooks for wineries? Yes, she does, and she um, yeah she experiments on me all the time. That's why I have to go to the gym every day because uh, she is constantly but, trying things. But on. here's the rub for me, okay? And let's go back to these wine pairing dinners. All right, oh, the, the di- that's a completely different. Uh, thing. Uh, okay, yeah. all right. But why I hate wine pairing dinners as much as I do is because I want to sit down to dinner. I get into a bottle of wine, and I just want to kind of enjoy that wine through the dinner. Uh, you know, I tend to choose a bottle of wine that's going to complement my whole dinner. I would hope that a chef that is preparing a dinner is going to lay out courses that complement one another. And I'll tell you uh, kind of an interesting philosophy that I have about food, mm-hmm. and it's this. I always, when I cook, and I cook well, I every course has an ingredient that I carry over from the prior course. So let's say we started with a Caesar salad, okay? Just, you know, a lot of garlic and Parmesan there. Yeah. So now we may move on to the next course, which is garlic and Parmesan mashed potatoes. I see. You see see how it flows over, okay? Transitions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so from one course to to the next, I carry over a couple of ingredients, maybe one ingredient, so that there's continuity as you go from one course to the next. Hence, when you have a bottle of wine to go with that meal, you're going to sit down and enjoy that bottle throughout the meal. If you are into the whole pairing each course with a bottle of wine thing, I'm going to start by saying that's BS because nobody does it. You, me, my friends, Has your one friends, bottle friends, the, they yeah. have one bottle for, for the, the whole night. Thing. You know what? Yeah. Get it right. Yeah. You know, who out there is actually buying five bottles of wine? You know how much we're talking about? If we're talking about a, even a modestly priced $30 bottle of wine, 150 bucks, really? You're going to uncork for dinner? No, you're not. Let's get real. You know, that is not how people enjoy wine and food. I got I to gotta, I gotta stop right now because we're going to take a break. I am going to unveil, Brent Keast, my solution to all of this. Are you ready? It will be revealed. It's coming up next. Okay. It's going to be, it's a humdinger because I've been really toiling over this. And I'm going to tell you how to solve all of this in just one second. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters. My special guest and my very special announcer, Brent Keast. Sometimes drinking wine makes you just want to curl up in a comfy chair and dream about puppy dogs, faraway places, and other happy thoughts. Or you can just enjoy that cuvee in your glass and lose yourself in the conversation on Grape Encounters Radio. It seems like a day doesn't go by that someone doesn't tell me how lucky I am to be able to taste the multitude of wines that I get to try as part of my job. 
And while that certainly is true, what is also true is that a great number of wines that I do taste just don't cut it. That's why it gives me so much pleasure to tell you about the wines from Peak Ranch, made in the Santa Ynez Valley on the central coast of California. As exciting as these wines are, I'm especially proud of the fact that they're produced by my oldest friend of all time, John Wagner, along with his charming wife, Jill. John was always the smartest kid in school, and I was always just a tad bit jealous of his determination to be the best. So when I found out that he was the producer of these utterly fantastic wines, I wasn't the least bit surprised. From their remarkably elegant Pinots to their perfectly balanced Chardonnay and luscious Syrahs, it's no surprise that the wines produced at Peak Ranch are simply as good as it gets, and they have the scores to prove it. Log on to peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com. You can buy their wines online which means it'll be the best time you ever spend on the internet. Go to peakranch.com. Ten years ago, I created Grape Encounters Radio while living in breathtaking Lake Arrowhead. Perched about an hour above the Southern California metropolis in the majestic San Bernardino National Forest. Lake Arrowhead is a place where wine lifestyle flourishes, imaginations run wild, and people come from around the world to discover a more peaceful and re-energizing way of life. Today, I'm delighted to introduce you to Lynn B. Wilson, a bona fide leader in resort real estate sales. From charming alpine cottages to stunning estates on the shores of shimmering Lake Arrowhead, Lynn B. Wilson and Associates have been changing lives for decades. If you truly want to live on top of the world, Lynn B. Wilson and Associates can show you how. They'll even host you in luxury accommodations while you explore the limitless possibilities. Log on to lynnbwilson.com. That's lynnbwilson.com. Live the life you imagine. People often ask, why hasn't someone tarred and feathered Grape Encounters host David Wilson for breaking so many of the old rules? Simple. No one likes the old rules. All right, there are going to be a few people who will not be happy with me after this show, but I would say that the other couple of million of you that are listening today are going to be dang proud that I stood up for you. And Makes that, perfect sense. And I, that, I certainly understand. That what you're voice, doing. Brent Keist, he is the. Maybe we should call you the Brent Keistador. Keistador. <laughs> but I like Brentonimo. Okay, I do too. One I, of the I great, one great. of the great uh, voices in radio has joined our team, and I'm very proud. Um, it, it was uh, not a hard decision because Brent has a huge background in wine. His yeah. wife is a, a chef for wineries and. All right, uh, Brent, you want yeah. to know my solution to this whole wine pairing That's right. You were going to reveal. You promised yeah, to reveal, I gotta reveal this. Okay, okay I, I'm uh, ready. A little background on this, and I actually had expected to talk about this for more than just one segment of the show, but uh, whatever. Uh, we'll get into this more later. My wife got me two things for Christmas that I wanted dearly. One was an Instapot. The other that she got me was a sous vide. Oh, that's device. good. Yeah, that's yeah. really big. So for those who don't know what sous vide is, it's a, it's a really interesting and very um, increasingly popular way to cook food. 
and it kind of looks like a giant aquarium heater is, I guess, the best way I, I could describe it. And um, it, it heats um, water, and it circulates the water, and it keeps it at a perfect temperature. And you put your food in essentially um, plastic bags that you suck all of the air out of, and you seal them, uh, you know, vacuum tight. And then the Instapot is if you if you do not have an Instapot, oh my gosh, go out and get one because it'll get you back into cooking because the really complex things that you used to cook that you don't have time to cook anymore in an Instapot, you can cook them in just minutes. Um, but anyway, um, these really got me into the idea of, you know, how do we ensure that pairing food and wine is perfect? Practice. No. Are you ready for this? I'm, I'm ready. Gonna, I'm going to rock the food and wine world right now. There's going to be uh, – tomorrow morning, I swear to you, there are going to be paparazzi at my door. <laughs> it is going to be crazy. It's really super simple. If you want to pair a wine perfectly with your food, then make that wine part of your food. It's it's it it sounds um I don't know how it sounds actually, but it's pretty simple, okay? It should be simple. Uh, it, let's say I I am going to prepare a beef dish and I want to pair I want to pair it with a particular cabernet sauvignon, okay? Um you don't have to use the exact cabernet sauvignon, but let's just say we take a, a you know less expensive bottle of cabernet sauvignon. And we use that as an ingredient in the food. So with an Instapot, you can really easily reduce down wine super fast. Okay, reduce it down, make it an integral part of the recipe of the food. And now you have a perfect complementary flavor to the bottle of wine that you want to serve. Likewise, with the sous vide, which is, again, the vacuum pack, okay, you can either reduce the wine down or you can add a bit of that wine to that vacuum pack and then you're actually slow cooking the food. Yeah, and you you actually use the wine that you're drinking to make the uh, Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be. I don't want to say that it has to be the wine that you're drinking because, you know, here's a for instance, okay? It's not uncommon to blend Syrah with Cabernet, right? Often done. Often done. Okay. Well, at so, least in so, so there's no reason why you can't put Syrah in as part of the flavoring of the dish that you're creating and then serve a Cabernet or vice versa because they complement they, they complement each other really, really well. Yes. So um, – it's just a matter of introducing the, you know, why not say, hey, wine, meet food before we cook you. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a good idea. Let's become friends. Infuse that flavor into the food here. And then we can just forego all of this pairing hubbub nonsense that is really far beyond most people's mentality. And that's not to say that any of us are dumb. It's to say – Let's not overwork the equation. Well, and that what that does is it intimidates people when you overwork it. A lot of people are afraid to order wine in a restaurant because yeah. it's a snob drink or it's uh, terribly expensive or whatever. So they'll just have a you know a bourbon and water or something like that. And the thing is that wine is so beautiful with food uh, that uh, it's pretty hard to uh, see yourself as intimidated because you're not intimidated by food, are you? No. But All it puts me off because – They'll say, oh, chef supercalifragilisticexpialidocious just came up with this magnificent pairing, five-course pairing of 
five wines with these foods that he made and all of that. And it's like, that's never the way wine was intended to be enjoyed. Well, they got to put, not, a, little, they gotta put was, a little show it was business. Never, it was never that way. little show business yeah. in there. If any of you believe that that is for any other purpose but to sell wine, then I'm sorry. But I'm here to tell you the truth. The last truth that I will tell you is the show's over. Brent Keist is our new announcer. You've heard him for the past few weeks. I've had more people come up to me and say, oh my God, who is that sexy guy? Truly. Yes, yes. They've said that and they've said, why don't you just let him do the show and you sit it out? Because <laughs> the guy's so sexy. I love this man. He's He's got a great voice and he's just the nicest guy and he knows so much about wine and food and stuff and film and you know music and all the stuff that we all care about. He's a, a thespian and he can quote King Lear. Duh. Will you take us out with some Shakespeare? Oh, let's see. Um... Now, my co-mates and brothers in exile, hath not old custom made this life more sweet than that of painted pomp? Are not these woods more free from peril than the envious court? Here feel we but the penalty of Adam, with the icy fang and churlish chiding of winter's wind, which, when it bites and blows upon my body, I smile and say, this is no flattery. These are counselors that feelingly persuade me what I am. Obviously, I'm talking about wine. As you know. Oh, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters this week. Brent Keist. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a way to introduce you to our audience. We'll be back here next week, gang. You know, it's just going to get more and more fun. We'll see you here on this great station next week, same time, with that lovely, glowing voice of Brent Keist. Well, this episode of Grape Encounters is in the bag. It's hard to imagine you haven't missed some episodes, so why not hunt them down at GrapeEncounters.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast sites. Grape Encounters Studios are located in beautiful Atascadero, California. That's Central Coast wine country, baby. Come visit us. But be warned, you won't want to leave. That's okay. We have a spare bedroom. But it's 55 degrees and full of old bottles.